Well, it's good to see you here this morning. You know, whenever we come around to fall break, I always wonder if we're just going to have a Bible study with the staff here. But uh, seeing so many of you here is very encouraging this morning. I'm going to ask you to take God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. Thank you for leading us in worship this morning. I appreciate the choir and what wonderful uh, voices that gather together to sing the praises of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's worthy to be praised. Uh, Today's message is actually part two of a message we began last week from Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. And the title of the message is, What the Healing Ministry of Jesus Means for Us Today. Now, in part one last week, we looked at Matthew 8, verses 14 through 16. And when we looked at those verses, we looked at how Jesus healed a leper. And from that, we learned that Jesus, uh, his healing ministry is personal in its touch, in its focus. But we also looked at the healing of many, a healing of a multitude of people. And when we looked at that, we noticed that Jesus' healing ministry is also one that is very practical in its application. And this morning what I want us to do is I want us to look uh, specifically at the 17th verse. And to be perfectly honest with you, when I began my study of this passage of Scripture, um, I, I really saw it as a unit, and I wanted to present all of it at one time, and then I realized that this particular section of it was not something that really needed to be rushed through. And so I wanted to hold out this actually third part of one message to, to uh, be able to address this particular verse all at one time because it's so expansive in terms of all that it pulls in from other sections of Scripture in order for us to understand and appreciate its full meaning. But I want you to follow along with me this morning. I'm going to back up. I'm going to start at the 16th verse in Matthew chapter 8. And then we're going to continue reading forward to verse 17. So you follow along with me in God's Word as we read together. The apostle writes in Matthew 8, 16, When evening came, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. He himself took our weaknesses. And carried our diseases. This is the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord needs to be shared around our world. And your world are the people that are right around you. And all we have to do at any particular time to be motivated to do what God has called us and left us here to do is to simply watch the news or, you know, look at the Internet. And when you do that, you find that bombs are falling on Israel. You'll recall that I was there uh, in March. And uh, Jesus is shalom. Jesus brings peace. And our very passage of Scripture that we look at this morning tells us that of those many people that Jesus healed, that some of those people were coming from these very areas that are sending the bombs 
on the Israelis now. Now, Jesus didn't just come for the Israelis. He came for all the people of the world. And that's why he stays the center of his ministry on this, at that time, this transcontinental highway in the northwest part of Israel because people from all these lands were traveling through that area as trade merchants. And people from everywhere came to Jesus. Let me tell you something. The problem is not with Jesus. The problem's with us. And Jesus came because we need him. And so this morning when we read this passage of Scripture, we come to understand from it that healing was a common feature of Jesus' earthly ministry. You realize when you look at the Scripture that no one Jesus touched was left unhealed? You realize that when you look into the Bible, that anyone who touched Jesus looking for healing and by faith reached out to Jesus for healing left that without being unhealed? And yet what I find over and over again in my conversation is that when we talk about the healing ministry of Jesus in our world today and what it means for us, we're kind of afraid of the topic. And there's two big responses. One, we just kind of, well, that's interesting, and we kind of bypass it. Or in many instances, it's misunderstood, and so because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to cause any rift between us and other people that we respect and we love and we fellowship with, and, and yet we find that in some instances, we find that when we do get around to talking about it, often what the Bible means about the healing ministry of Jesus is often misunderstood. And so what I want to do in this message is I want us to seek to understand what the Bible means when it says Jesus carries our diseases. What does that mean? Well, as we look at this passage of Scripture together this morning, I want you to notice that the healing ministry of Jesus is a sign of God's kingdom. And looking there in the 17th verse, you'll see that the verse says, so that what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Healing is a sign of God's kingdom. Now, all the Old Testament prophecies about Jesus that were spoken centuries before to the coming of the Messiah, they spoke about a Messiah who would come and he would bring the kingdom of God. He would bring God's rule and reign on this earth in the hearts of people. And one of the signs of the kingdom that is spoken about through the prophets is there would be signs of miraculous healings by the Messiah who comes. And when Jesus came as Messiah, he came healing. In fact, Matthew, when he summarized the ministry of Jesus... He had this to say about the ministry of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. This is what he said. Now Jesus began to go all over Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Now Jesus is the king. When Jesus came, Jesus brought the kingdom. And when he came and he brought the kingdom, he came with healing. And he demonstrated the truth and reality of the kingdom by healing every disease and by sealing the sicknesses among the people. Healing is a sign of God's kingdom. And beyond that, we notice that this is a ministry that was spoken of centuries before by the prophets. In fact, you look at verse 17, it tells us that it was prophet Isaiah. 
And he's quoted by Matthew, and in that quotation by Matthew, he points to a larger section of Scripture. All we're given is just a portion of Isaiah 53, verse 4 here. But what I want us to do is I want us to look at that passage, and what I want us to do is I want us to zoom out, and I want us to look at a larger portion of that passage of Scripture from which he quotes. And here's what we find in Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. Yet he himself bore our sicknesses and he carried our pains, but in turn, but we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Now the rest of the Bible makes clear that when Isaiah was given these words from God, when they were spoken, the rest of the Bible makes clear that he's talking about the suffering servant And the suffering servant pointed to one person in particular and found it familiar in Jesus Christ himself when he came in flesh. Now, according to the prophecy that we just read, and as you look at it, you'll notice that according to that prophecy, Jesus came specifically to take away our sins. But by extension, he also came to take away the consequences of our sin. Those things that accompany sin. And just to name some of those things that accompany the consequences of sin, sickness, sadness, sorrow, suffering, death, these are all consequences of sin. Now when Matthew quotes this passage and he says, Jesus bore our sicknesses and carried our pains, he's not saying that Jesus healed people by taking their sicknesses on himself so that their sickness became his sickness. If that were the case, then when Jesus healed the leper, what it would mean is that Jesus assumed leprosy. He became a leper himself. Or when he healed Peter's mother-in-law of her fever, he took on her fever. That's not what it's saying. He didn't get her fever. He didn't get leprosy. But rather the fuller context of Isaiah chapter 53 makes clear to us that Jesus' healing ministry is looking forward to the cross. And the healing miracles are signs of the kingdom. The reason Jesus healed was because he was going to the cross to take away our sins and eventually to remove all the consequences of sin. At the cross, Jesus substitutes him. Listen to this. At the cross, Jesus substitutes himself for our sins, not our sicknesses. Now, secondly, I want you to notice with me this morning, And we'll spend a little bit of time on this point. But I want you to notice with me, secondly, that there's a difference between sickness and sin and healing and forgiveness. Now, the main difference between sickness and sin is that sickness is a result of sin, and it's not sinful in and of itself. 
All sickness and suffering in this world is caused either directly or indirectly by sin. Are we together on that? A particular sickness is not connected with one particular individual's particular sin that they commit. But rather, it is because there's sin in our world. There's sickness in our world because there's sin in the world. And sickness and sin are two different things, and they're treated differently in the Bible. For example, there's no guilt attached with being sick. We are never told to confess our illnesses. We're told to confess our sins. Now, unfortunately, there are some well-meaning Bible teachers who minimize these differences in their teaching. And I want to be careful at this point because I regard many of these people to be brothers and sisters in Christ that we could fellowship with, that we could enjoy the Lord's Supper with, that we could bask in each other's fellowship and benefit greatly from one another's fellowship. But I, I wanted to share just one quotation of a person's comment on Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, that I think shows a difference here between when we talk about the difference between sickness and sin. Uh, Gloria Copeland, that's a name you may recognize. She's a prominent teacher in the faith healing movement. And she writes this about Matthew chapter 8, verse 17. She says this, Jesus bore your sicknesses and carried your diseases at the same time and in the same manner that he bore your sins. You are just as free from sickness and disease as you are free from sin. You should be as quick to see sickness and disease in your body as you are to cease sin. Now again, I want to say that uh, I love Gloria Copeland as a sister in Christ and regard her as a sister in Christ. But that is not what the Bible says. Jesus did not bear our sicknesses and cure our diseases at the same time and in the same manner that he bore our sins. The two are different. You and I are not just as free from sickness and diseases, we are free from sin. That should be readily obvious to all of us. The two are different. The Bible's teaching on this can be summarized in what I want to share with you as three brief statements. And the first one is, Jesus bore our sins on the cross, not our sicknesses. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, we read these words. Now he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Now here's a verse that speaks about the cross and it speaks about healing. They're in the same verse, side by side. But we need to be careful to see what it specifically says and what it doesn't say. It says, Jesus bore our sins on the cross, not our sicknesses. Now, most likely, Peter is referring here to a spiritual transformation that takes place, the spiritual impact on our lives. But even if physical healing is also intended, the verse still says, Jesus bore our sins on the cross, not our sicknesses. Now, the word Peter uses for bearing sin here is a, 
is a distinctive word, and we don't have the original languages, but we need to understand that uh, words do matter. And the word that Peter uses when he is speaking about bearing our sins in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, is a word that means literally to carry a heavy load, to carry a burden. He talks about, rather, Peter talks about offering up a sacrifice. Jesus, when he talks about this, and Matthew, when he talks about this, they use a different word. So Peter is talking about offering up a sacrifice, but when Jesus uses the same word, and when Matthew uses this word in Matthew chapter 8, he uses a different word, and the word that he uses means to carry or bear a heavy load. That's a beautiful word, and the picture is certainly one that's worth noting because what Jesus is actually saying, that's too heavy for you. Hand that over to me and let me carry that for you. Now that's the word that Matthew uses, and it's different from the word that Peter uses. So yes, Jesus carries our diseases, but not in the same way that he bears our sins for us at the cross. Jesus didn't bear our sicknesses on the cross so that we could be healed. Jesus bore our sins on the cross so we could be forgiven. Jesus died for sins directly. He only died for sicknesses indirectly. And once we're forgiven our sins, then Jesus can free us also from the consequences of sin. And those consequences include sickness, sadness, suffering, and death. But freedom from sickness, sadness, suffering, and death doesn't happen all at once. Jesus bearing our sins on the cross doesn't mean that Christians will never get sick any more than it means that Christians will never suffer, get tired, or die. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy about carrying our diseases during his life, not during his death on the cross. This is one of the signs of the coming of the kingdom, the ministry of Jesus, the healing ministry of Jesus. And when Jesus healed people, it is coming. It was a way of giving evidence of the fact that I am the one whom God has sent to bring the kingdom to you. And he fulfilled that prophecy by bearing our diseases and our sicknesses. It was on the cross that Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of dying for our sins. And the difference between sickness and sin, between healing and forgiveness, is that Jesus bore our sins on the cross, not our sicknesses. Now, a second statement is this. Healing is a result or benefit of the atonement. In Psalm 103, we read this in verses 2 and 3. My soul... Bless the Lord. And do not forget all his benefits. He forgives your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. Now when it comes to healing and the atonement, the question that usually is debated is this, whether it's proper to say that healing is in the atonement. Now, some say yes, some say no. But the answer really depends on what you mean. I mean, if you mean Jesus died for sickness in the same way that he died for sin, I would say, no, healing is not in the atonement. 
But if you mean healing is the result or benefit of Jesus' death on the cross, then we can agree on that. But in order to answer the question about whether there's healing in the atonement, we must first understand the meaning of the word atonement. What does the word atonement mean? Atonement means the removal of God's wrath against sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he died as an atonement for our sin. All of God's wrath came to bear on Jesus because Jesus took our sin upon himself. All the wrath that was due to us because of our sin, Jesus says, here, put that over onto me. I want to take that for you. That's a significant act on the part of Jesus Christ because what it tells us is that atonement has to do with sin rather than sickness. I think Sam Storrs strikes the right balance. He's a pastor and theologian. Sam Storrs writes this. He says, perhaps it would be more accurate to say there is healing through the atonement rather than in the atonement. Insofar as the atoning death of Jesus is the basis for God's healing us. In this way, we avoid suggesting that because of Jesus' death, we're guaranteed healing in this life. I think that's the right balance. The reality is that many Christians do get sick and are not healed. If we're to treat healing and forgiveness the same, then that would mean that many Christians are also sinful and not forgiven. And we know that's not true. Healing is a result or benefit of the atonement and not part of the atonement itself. Now, there's a third statement I want to make, and that is this. Forgiveness is guaranteed now. Healing is guaranteed later. Forgiveness is guaranteed now. 1 John 1.9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When you and I put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, all our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And the reason why all of our sins are forgiven in Jesus is because on the cross, Jesus paid for all sin. Now when it speaks about this, it's obviously talking about our position in the Christ Jesus. When the Bible says over and over again that we are in Christ, that's a significant statement. That means that we are in Christ. Christ took our sin upon himself. He took our sinfulness upon his righteous self. But in exchange, he gave us his righteousness in exchange for our sin. That's not a bad trade. And the truth of the matter is, is that because God sees us as the righteousness of God in Christ, it means that all of our sin, past, all of our sin present, and all of our sin in this future is forgiven in Christ. That's what it means to be in Christ. Now, obviously, when we come to know Jesus, we still sin. Now, I don't say that with a smile. I don't say that for an amen. I say that as an oh me. That's just true. 
I wish it were true that when I came to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, I just quit sinning altogether. Now, don't get me wrong. I sin. I sin more than I want to. I sin all that I want to. I don't want to. Now, so when he talks to us here about forgiveness, he says, you know, forgiveness is guaranteed now. We don't have to wait until heaven to be forgiven. God's faithful and just, and the Bible tells us he forgives all our sins right now. But the Bible never says healing is guaranteed now. In fact, it says just the opposite. In Scripture, we find that our bodies are subject to suffering and decay in this life, and that's why we're told to wait patiently for the resurrection. Now, for this, I want to cite Romans chapter 8, and you can read the entire chapter. I recommend it. It's one of the greatest blessings you'll ever have, Romans chapter 8. Many people regard it their favorite chapter in the entire Bible. Romans chapter 8, verse 24, the Scripture speaks to us, and it raises this this thought, it says, who hopes for what he already has? It's talking about our bodies that are decaying. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for it. And, and so what we find ourselves doing in this world is we find ourselves in these bodies that are decaying, in these bodies that are fleshly, and we have all of these experiences that are the consequences of our sin that continue to bear upon us. And we want to be free from those things. We don't enjoy being sinful, and we don't enjoy being sick, and we get sad when people die, and we know that we are all terminal. But the truth is that Paul didn't expect to be healed and delivered from all bodily weaknesses in this life. Instead, what did he do? Paul boasted about his weaknesses. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9. He tells us what Jesus said to him. Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. And in response, you know what Paul writes? He writes this. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. Now, the word that both Jesus and Paul use for weakness is a word that speaks of the weakness or frailty of our human bodies. And it's the exact same word Matthew uses in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, when he says, Jesus bore our weaknesses and carried our diseases. Matthew states that Jesus took our infirmities or our weaknesses, and Paul says he will what? Boast about his weaknesses. It's the same word. And why does Paul boast about his weakness or his frailty? Well, look at it. The verse tells you. So that the power of Christ may be manifested in him. For when I am what? Weak, then I am strong. Why? Because I realize I can't do it all by myself. That I am frail, that I am weak, 
that I have disease, that I have sickness, that my life is short, that if anything great is going to happen in this lifetime, it's going to be because the power of God comes in and fills me up in those places where I am weak and I am frail. And Paul says, rather than boasting about myself, rather than putting forward my spiritual resume, let me tell you what I can put forward. I want no man to say more of me than what he sees in me of Jesus Christ. Now remember that Jesus' healing miracles were signs of the kingdom. The kingdom of God came when Jesus came, but it's not going to come in its fullness until Jesus returns. Jesus' healing miracles in the New Testament and Jesus' healing miracles today, they're previews of the coming kingdom of God. And we read about that in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more. Because what? The previous things have passed away. That's the future hope of every believer in Jesus Christ. And so when it comes to healing as a result of Christ's atoning death on the cross for our sin, the question is not whether we will receive healing, but rather when. Guaranteed, we're all going to be healed when Christ returns. When Christ returns, all the results of sin will finally be taken away. All sickness, all sadness, all suffering, all death. But in this life, we still deal with the results of sin. Forgiveness is guaranteed now. Healing is guaranteed later. I want to conclude the message this morning by telling you that there are two mistakes we must avoid. One mistake is Jesus never heals. And the other mistake is believing Jesus always heals. Now, when it comes to divine healing today, we need to avoid believing Jesus never heals. The Bible's clear that Jesus still heals today. You hear me? Are you with me? Jesus still heals today. And he heals in response to prayers offered in his name and in faith. Jesus doesn't have less power in heaven than he had on earth. That doesn't make sense. In fact, our whole passage today is about Jesus carrying our diseases and His unlimited power to heal. It would be poor interpretation of the Bible for anyone to turn around and say that Jesus never heals. He does heal. There have been instances when I've witnessed miraculous healings of God in the lives of people for whom I have prayed. My wife and I have a prayer list that we keep of people for whom we are praying now. Asking God to heal. And we pray in faith, believing. And you know what? When God heals, we're not surprised. Why? Because the Bible says He still heals today. By faith in those who believe and call upon Him in His name. Jesus still heals. 
It's a mistake to say Jesus never heals. But it's also a mistake to believe Jesus always heals. Some of us have earnestly sought Jesus for healing in faith, believing. But God has chosen not to heal in this life. We've prayed for those faithfully, in faith, believing God. And yet they are not healed. And when that happens, we're heartbroken. And I have known people very close to me, and I won't share any names, but they're people who are very close to me, who had a parent who died. And an entire church of people and people around the world were praying for God's healing in faith, together, agreeing in prayer for healing. And yet the parent died. And it not only shook the faith of a child, a child left the faith because of it. Now, I wanted to mention that to you this morning because when we pray in faith, agreeing about healing, and it doesn't happen, we are heartbroken. But again, we should not be surprised. And the reason we should not be surprised is because the Bible tells us that we have these frail bodies and that one day we will have a resurrection body. And until that day, we will contend with illness and disease because as long as we are in this world, we are going to be affected by the consequences of sin. Listen, friend, all believers will be healed eventually. But it's a mistake to believe Jesus always heals today. And so when it comes to divine healing today, we've got to avoid believing that Jesus never heals, and we need to avoid believing Jesus always heals because... Neither of those views properly represents Scripture. And neither of those views represents reality. Jesus does heal miraculously in prayer today. But not always. You know, the reason why I have zeroed in on this passage of Scripture and why I think it has ministered to me so much is because it teaches us some important lessons about God and about Jesus. I mean, when I read these verses and the more I study them, the more I read them, the more I meditate on them, the more it shows me that Jesus cares 
not just for your soul, but Jesus cares for the entire human being. We're told to be transformed by what? The renewing of our minds. We're told that our bodies are what? The temple of the Holy Spirit that is in you. We are told that we have passed out of death into life, that our soul, our being, our spirit has been transformed and that we are being transformed. Jesus cares about the entire person. When you get saved, listen, your soul doesn't get just saved. Your spirit doesn't just get saved. Your body and your mind get saved. Jesus cares for the whole person. And many times he will heal in this life. And sometimes we'll need to wait for the next life. But one day all believers in Christ will be completely set free from sickness, sadness, sorrow, and death. I think what God would have us to understand this morning is that He came to free us from sin and the consequences of sin. Scripture tells us you can cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. The psalmist wrote, cast your burden on the Lord. Just whatever your burden is, just roll it over onto the Lord. I don't know what your burden is this morning, but I'm looking at a room full of people that have burdens. One preacher said, if you don't know what to preach on Sunday... Preach to the hurting, because there's a broken heart on every pew. Whatever your burden, whatever your trial, whatever your sickness, whatever your sin, Cast all of it on Jesus because he cares for you. Roll your burden over onto the Lord. Roll your sin over onto Jesus. And if you'll do that, this is what you will hear from Jesus. That's too heavy for you. Let me carry it for you. This morning, I, I want to encourage you to roll your sin over onto Jesus. He came to take our sins upon himself, to suffer the consequences for our sin so that we could be forgiven. This morning, would you take Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord? Would you say, Jesus, I need you.
You know, it's hard to find a group of people and get them in a single room. And you will never find any group of people in this world that you get into a single room, no matter how much they have in common, you'll never find a group of people who have everything in common with one another. And that's true of the people in this room this morning. But there is one thing we all have in common. All of us. We're all sinners. And we all need a Savior. Let's bow together. May we stand to our feet as we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the wonderful good news that even as we think about bombs falling in places around the world and that you came to bring peace. And we believe, Jesus, you're the only answer to peace in our world, peace in our nation. And we focus so much on the differences, but the thing we have in common, Jesus, is that we're broken. And we can't fix ourselves. And we just cry out to you this morning, Jesus, asking you to come in and move in our lives. For the peace that our world needs begins with me. Now this morning, would you ask God just to do a work in your life and in your heart today? Would you say to God, Lord, I need you as my Savior. Forgive me my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for taking my sin upon yourself. I want to give myself to you today. Thank you for loving me and dying for me and promising to give me forgiveness and a new life. Thank you that all this is available for free because of what Jesus did. He paid for it. Would you trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord today? If so, would you not leave this place without coming forward at the end of our service, the conclusion of our singing, the conclusion of our benediction, and come forward and let us know you're following Jesus today. We'd like to help you in your new life in Christ and like to help you take your next step in following Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And let me tell you, nobody does it by themselves. We all need people to walk alongside us when we follow Jesus. So I want to encourage you to trust Christ today. Maybe today you say, you know, as uh, last week I heard there was a new members class. And you may wonder, well, what is that all about? Is this a club? No, this is not a country club. We're not selling memberships or anything like that. The Bible says that we are, listen to this word, members of the body of Christ. Now, what I want to say about that is this. You walk down the street, you'll never find an eyeball just walking down the street by itself, right? Eyeball is attached to a body. A body has arms and legs. And you need to be attached to a body. That's what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. We're not talking about anything that divides Baptist from Methodist. We're talking scripture here. We're talking about the Bible talks about us being members of one another. You can't minister to the world at large. You've got to be attached to a local body. That's where we find out our spiritual gifts. That's where we serve. I want to encourage you, if you're praying about finding a church home, this is a place 
where you can be a member of the body of Christ that meets here. And I want to encourage you to do that as well. And if that's your interest, you'd like to know more about that, then we're going to be down here at the front. We'd love to talk with you about that further. Father, thank you for hearing our prayer, knowing our needs. There are so many uh, persons here this morning who came. experiencing some of those consequences of sin in our world, even right now. Sadness and sickness. And Father, I just want to pray in faith that you would touch them where they are, knowing that they're reaching out to you right now. I just want to agree with them in faith, praying for your healing in their life. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.